And now, with the Gospel Reflection, Bishop Brian Mascord. Jesus' words at the end of today's Gospel are quite confronting. I tell you then that the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. The parable we've just listened to can be very much linked to last week's. And the parable is meant as a warning, but one that went unheeded. In the parable, God showed incredible patience, but when patience was futile, God held the people or the tenants accountable for their actions. The tenants, as we hear in the parable, came to a bad end. In reality, Jerusalem was destroyed eventually. Gentiles were now involved and welcomed, included as God's people. This would have been very clear to Matthew's hearers. It was now the Gentiles who had taken on the task of building the reign of God. Let's be very clear. Let's not understand this as being anti-Jewish, but rather this is being written by Christian Jews to Christian Jews. And it must have been a very painful thing for them to hear. But the message is very clear. God's people had been poor tenants in the Lord's vineyard. Let's again read this not as an historical event or for historical reasons, but rather for a reflection on our own life and our own response to our relationship as a community of faith with God. Today, we, God's people, are the tenants in the vineyard. And God expects us to produce fruit and fruit that will endure. The obvious question to ask ourselves today is, how are we doing? Jesus is sparring again with the leaders of the nation. In telling another parable, and again one that deals with the land, he knows the people will understand because the images and the language that he uses are familiar. Jesus is using a parable and he has now made the use of parable an art form. We have some violence thrown in today, tenants beating up other tenants to get their share of the profit. Greed conquers and distorts the human conscience, even to the point of murder. If we take the parable as the response to God, God has showered on his people the sword of love and care which a dedicated vine dresser bestows on the vineyard. The vineyard failed to produce the fruits that were desired, the fruits of right living. But what did God do? God didn't destroy the vineyard. No, but rather God handed it over to others who might produce the fruit. This, the new building, the new vineyard came into being and a new people of God were given responsibility for that vineyard. It was now up to them, up to us, to produce the fruit. The rejected one, Jesus, is now the cornerstone of the vineyard that we now know as church. The parable shows us that there is only one way to overcome evil, and that is with God on our side. Remember, evil does not have the last say in today's parable. Jesus is challenging us, the tenants of the new vineyard of the church, to produce the fruits of justice, love and peace, what we now begin to call gospel values. 
This is the challenge that Jesus has handed to us. And whilst it is a challenge, it's also a privilege. And with this comes responsibility. We are called to fruitfulness and to a response. We too have the capacity to do away with the prophets because we are happy with the way things are. In the same way that people of God in the parable were being asked to be accountable to the landowner for the use of the gifts that had been given and were found wanting. We are now being asked to be accountable. There's always a temptation to see a parish as a security blanket for those who do not want to face up to the challenges facing every society. When that happens, it tends to cling to old, fixed ways of doing things. People who propose change that are necessary in serving a constantly changing society may be resisted and resisted very strongly. Each parish can find itself producing its core of chief priests and elders. By the way, it's not always the clergy, it's the lay people too. These people will make sure that the prophetic voices and people with real vision will be effectively blocked. It is just as easy for us in these times to fail to recognize the voice of God in the messengers God sends us just as it was for the Jewish authority in the time of Jesus, when they failed to recognize the word of God in him. It was Cardinal Newman who said over a hundred year, about a hundred years ago that to live is to change and to be perfect is to have changed very often. If we're not really making sure that our vineyard produces a rich harvest, not only for us but for others to enjoy, then we're falling short as tenants. It may well happen that the Lord may ask others to come and take our place. So let's ask the question, if our church building closed down and was sold off, what real difference would it make in our area? Of course, we who come here regularly would miss it. But what of others who never step inside? Are we really concerned about that impact? Or do we think more of our own personal religious obligations and our needs? Do we measure the quality of our parish by what goes on in this building or by what happens when we leave it? Obviously both are important, but there cannot be one without the other. I read a story recently about hospitality and welcome. I don't know who the author is but it was given to me as a simple piece of paper. And the story was entitled, Welcoming Bill. And it just begins very simply. His name was Bill. He has wild hair, wears a t-shirt with holes in it, jeans and no shoes. This was literally his wardrobe for his entire four years at university. He was brilliant. He was a kind of esoteric and very, very bright. He became a Christian while attending university. He was a real searcher. Across the street from the campus where he lived is a very conservative church where those who attend are well-dressed, very prim and very proper. They wanted to develop some sort of ministry to the students, but they were not sure to how to go about it. One day, 
Bill decided to go to church. He walks in, no shoes, holes in his t-shirts, jeans on, and his wild hair. The service had already started, and so Bill starts to walk down the aisle towards the front, looking for a seat. The church is packed, and he can't find a seat. By now, people are looking at him and becoming a little uncomfortable. But no one says anything. No one does anything. No one moves to make room. Bill gets closer and closer to the pulpit. And when he realizes that there are no seats, he just simply sits down on the floor at the very front, right down on the carpet. By now, people are becoming quite uptight and uncomfortable, and the tension was thick in the air. At this time, the minister, about to give his homily, realizes that far from the back, an elder of the community is slowly making his way towards Bill. Now, the elder was in his 80s, had silver-grey hair, a three-piece suit, and a lovely pocket watch. He was known as a godly man, very elegant and very dignified. He walked with his cane, and as he starts walking towards Bill, everyone is saying to themselves, well, you can't blame what he's going to do. How can you expect a man of his age and his background to understand some college kid on the floor? Everyone had come to a decision about what this elderly gentleman was to do. It takes him a long time to reach Bill. The church is utterly silent except for the clicking of the elderly man's cane. All eyes are focused on him. You can't even hear anyone breathing. The people are thinking the minister can't even preach his sermon until the elder does what he has to do. And now they see this elderly man drop his cane to the floor. And with great difficulty, he lowers himself to the floor and sits next to Bill and worships alongside him. Why? So he won't be alone. Everyone chokes with emotion, and there seems not to be a dry eye in the church. When the minister finally controls himself and gets himself back together again, he says to them, to the whole congregation, What I am about to preach to you, you will never remember. What you have just seen, you will never forget. Our actions speak much louder than the words we say. How welcoming are we? Would we be prepared to sit on the floor with those who are different? Or are we about bringing people around to our way of thinking? How welcoming are we?